Good morning, everybody, and happy Tuesday. I hope everybody's had a fun Monday, gotten through the first and worst day of the week, in my opinion. Maybe some of you love Mondays. Uh, but here we are on Tuesday, hanging out, having fun. Obviously, a lot of big news uh, out there uh, in the world. We're going to be covering a little bit of the smaller news uh, today. Not really interested in getting too terribly political uh, in this space, as we've talked about before. But you can see some comments that I had on some bigger news items out there on social media, on Twitter, at Hoglaw, if you're interested uh, in those. And we might cover some of that stuff, or I suspect some of my colleagues on YouTube might cover some of that stuff as well. Momentarily thought about changing the topic for this headlines video, but I didn't want to. So here we are on Tuesday. We're going to be talking about uh, VFX, Marvel, Marvel uh, movies, Marvel TV shows. We're also going to be talking about Netflix uh, and exactly what they're doing with their gaming division. Did, did you know they had a gaming division? We've covered it on this channel and in virtual legality, but I suspect that's one of the big reasons why we're going to look at some pretty bad stats that they put out uh, pretty recently. Outside of those specific items, I hope everybody's ready to hang out and have fun, chat, have a good morning, uh, and get ready for a workday here in the United States. The second half of a workday, I know, uh, in various parts of Europe, you're already past us, I say this, uh, every day. And of course, we have a new hat because it's hat preview week here, here uh, on uh, Hangouts and Headlines as we get ready to start up the new store. So how's everybody doing? Good morning, Hoagie, says Heathers. Good morning, Heathers. Uh, uh, hi from Syracuse, says Syracuse Brad. You know, I could have guessed that, Syracuse Brad. But hi from Syracuse. Good morning, Syracuse. Uh, Netflix gaming equals bad Android games. Giannis Dark getting out there early uh, with the hot takes. We'll see. Uh, you know, I don't actually have a lot of experience playing uh, the Netflix games. We'll talk about that as certainly part of the question. Uh, look, says Mrs. Hoglaw. There were never hats before. I'm excited about the hats. I'm excited about the hats, too. You know I love hats. And I've never not loved hats. So we will see. Good morning from Chicago. Good morning from Lithuania. Good morning, Chicago and Lithuania. Hello from Venus, Secret McSquirrel. Coming at you from various planets in our solar system this week. Hello, Secret Squirrel. Uh, let's see here. You should not assume his town, LOL. He's Syracuse bred. <sighs> Hi, from South Africa. National holiday here. What, uh, like, tangoing lady emoji. Nice. All right. Awesome. Uh, good morning from Germany and the future. Eyes closed laughing emoji. Wonderful Germany. Good morning from Manitoba. Good morning from Kansas. Good way to start my workday. Uh, good morning from Melbourne, Australia. Love the new hat, I'm told. Yeah, we have some fun hats. I'm, I'm loving all of these hats. Uh, Hoagie's a hat model, not a fashion model. But, you know, something has to squeeze around this enormous head. Um, and so you want to make sure you get a hat that's fitted right, that we check quality on. Uh, and that's why I have a whole smattering of hats as we sample the things to make sure that the stuff that you would get from the merch store isn't terrible. That's uh, that's a step that uh, is necessary to take. And we've already made some tweaks to just the samples we've received. Uh, so hello from Riverton, Illinois. Good morning from Ohio. I returned from Gen Con alive and mildly coherent, if quite a bit poorer. So many games. You're not poorer, Sardinisms. You've just exchanged your currency wealth for board game wealth. And isn't your utility higher for having done so? Board games. Yeah, I really do want to get to Gen Con at some point. 
Uh, maybe do a meetup if there's enough people that play board games and want to go to Indiana at some point in the fall. Uh, that would be fun. Good morning from Northwestern Minnesota. Good morning from Palau. Cool. Very cool. Howdy from Central Florida and the foggy morning. That's cool. Good morning from Japan. The day is finished here. <laughs> Rolling on the floor laughing emoji. Well, good job. Is Tuesday a good day? Can you let us know? I, I want to make sure we're going to have a good, exciting Tuesday all together here. Uh, and if you've already done it, that would be that would be important news for us. Hello from the Netherlands. Waving emoji, smiling, blushing emoji. Very, very cool. Morning from Memphis, where the black bag on the side of the road may be garbage or a dead body. You never know. Quite the sales pitch, Memphis. Good morning. Currently hyper fixated. Uh, so glad I can be here live for once. Hi from Germany. Smiley face emoji. Well, I'm glad you're here live too. And hi from, uh, well, Northville, Michigan, as I always am. Uh, good afternoon, says Shireen. I watched Uncharted yesterday and it was a rough watch with the script, the Heathers. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's fine. It's, it's like a, it's like a middling seven uh, to me. And certainly the ending is not super strong, uh, but People seem to like it. I think it's Netflix's, speaking of, uh, like top movie that they've they've licensed and put up there. So I, I have to give Sony credit. They, they made something out of this property. I, I don't think they made what it, the best it could have been, uh, but they, they made something. And I think Tom Holland is quickly approaching a status where people go to see Tom Holland uh, and he is uh, he's an actual movie star or getting there. Uh, good afternoon from Denmark. The, de the hats are definitely something I'm going to need to buy. Well, we've got a few. We've got a few new hats coming. I'm not done touring through the hat lineup, uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, I very much appreciate it. It'll be fun uh, to show you all these things and to show the store in its entirety. Uh, good morning from Daytona Beach, Florida. Daytona, let's go away. It's, no, it's Daytona. It's the, it's the old Sega racing game. No. All right. I played it a lot. Some of you might recognize it. Good morning, Daytona. Uh, Fort Hood, Texas. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Good morning from Florida. Lots of Floridas this morning. Florida winning the current race uh, for who is watching the most. Land of eternal summer where we are dying from the humidity. LOL. It gets humid in Florida. I know this is a surprise to folks, but it does, in fact, get very, very humid in Florida. Good morning from the pie capital of Texas. What kind of pies are we talking about? Are these meat pies? That's you know we have our friends in in England that really specialize in those. Are these apple pies, cherry pies? What kind of pies? Pecan pies? Or is this some kind of euphemism I'm not familiar with? And also, where is the pie capital of Texas? I have many questions. What up, Jenny? Many, many questions. Uh, Load of the Germany fan club today. Germany represent absolutely. Uh, Caitlin Church ordered a Reasonable Mind sweater over the weekend. Super excited to receive it. Ah, I love it. That is one of my favorites. Uh, Reasonable Minds can differ. I love that tagline, obviously. Uh, but we're going to have even more stuff uh, with that. Uh, and then and then we're working on some other things. So absolutely, I hope you get it soon. Uh, and it's fantastic. I, I love that one. Uh, hi, Northville from Livonia. This is, not, this is like my next door uh, township neighbor here. Uh, good morning, Livonia. Uh, and uh, what I'm going to describe as the Raisin brand sunshine emoji. Good morning, everybody. Waving from Seattle. Good morning from Virginia Beach. Uh, somehow my wife is saying Hogglepuffs. I think that's I think that's a Harry Potter reference. Morning from France. Wishing you a wonderful afternoon from Austria. 
Good morning, Hogue from Windsor, Ontario. Been there quite a few times in my life. Santiago de Chile. Good morning from Florida with a couple cups of coffee. Who can blame you? Sometimes you need to wake up on a Tuesday morning. That's why we hang out together so we can wake up and the various people around the world can tell us what. It's already like the middle of the day here. Uh, it's a lot of fun for everybody. What else do we have here? Australia can confirm Tuesday is a good day. Yes. Awesome. I'm excited to hear it. The day is what you make it. Very, uh, that we have no fate, but what we make for ourselves. Sorry. It's Terminator 2. It's just that kind of morning. Uh, it's not the tango. It's the flamenco. I am so sorry. It takes two to tango. They do have a saying about that. Were they talking about emojis? That makes a ton of sense. So if there were two of these, it would be a tango. It's just... I'm in a goofy mood this morning. Uh, blushing, laughing, emoji. Good morning from Rose Moon. I love the new merch. All hail Mrs. Hoglaw. Double high five emoji. Oh, yeah. None of this. None of the stuff with the store. None of the new items. None of it would be happening without Mrs. Hoglaw. So to the extent anybody finds anything they want in that store, I deserve approximately a quarter percent credit uh, out, of, out of all of the things that went into that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, hoax streams are the perfect time for us Europeans. Hearts and your eyes emojis. I've heard that. That's why we're, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about potentially moving times when the school year starts and thinking about various things. But I am very interested in making sure that the people that are currently enjoying this program get to continue to enjoy it. Uh, so trying to figure that out as we go while also participating and helping uh, with the kids. We'll see. We'll see how that all works. Replay crew today, off to the office, crying emoji. That's totally fine. Replays are still views, and replays are just as fun, uh, even though you do have to miss a little bit of the chat, which I understand. Sometimes it gets rowdy, my wife tells me. So I don't always get to see that as I'm talking and pontificating about articles and things, uh, but uh, I understand the chat is a good time early in the morning. Good morning from Mobile, Alabama. Decided to set up my Xbox 360 for some classic console gaming this weekend. What could go wrong? Gaming, wonderful. Still in the middle of Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, for those of you that are familiar with it, it is a very long game. Uh, and I am on Chapter 3. I may never, ever see the end of it, but I'm enjoying my time with the game. And that's what counts. Will delivery be possible outside the U.S.? We think so. Uh, we're working on putting those things together, tying those wires up. As it turns out, not always the easiest thing to figure out how to ship and that and everything else in the various places. Uh, but we think we have uh, some solutions and some answers to that. So the hope is to get it out, uh, stuff from the merch store, to uh, to everybody that wants it. Uh, but uh, we we'd have to we'd have to bring co-counsel in to discuss the specifics there. Uh, but yes, the the idea is everybody. Um, Daytona game theme goes hard, in my opinion. I it gets in your head. I haven't played Daytona USA in I don't know how many years, probably decades. And yet I hear the word Daytona and it still pops into my head like one of those little inside out balls just popping in and I can sing the song. Uh, morning from Indianapolis. Hi from a humid heat wave in Connecticut. Hogglepuffs, they're great. You don't eat Hogglepuffs. That's wow. Okay. No, we're, we're lovable. That's, that's, that's all that means. Uh, apple pie. Question mark. We still haven't solved the Texas pie question. Uh, we'll see if we can get to that. Uh, the humidity in Florida is tolerable more so than in Southeast Lower Michigan. Well, Florida has a lot going for it. I 
certainly if you have a day in Southeast Michigan where it is as humid as Florida, it's probably worse. But I think we have fewer of those days. So I, I feel like we have to have a scientific debate about that particular situation. Uh, Mike Merch uh, with a super chat. Thank you so much. Can you knit at jury duty? I cannot sit still. I think it would depend on the courtroom and the jurisdiction. Um, some might find it a distraction, uh, and so they wouldn't let you. Uh, but uh, it's it's possible. I don't know. Uh, it really is going to be up to uh, the court, the jurisdiction, the judge, uh, and those kinds of things. Uh, the, the last time I was called for jury duty, they didn't let you have like any items on you whatsoever. Uh, you had to turn in your phone. You had to turn in your uh, I think you had to turn in your wallet. I mean, like you had to turn in everything and just be sitting in kind of the, the preparation chamber watching a movie that they just showed over and over again for like eight hours. What was it? I think it was Avatar. I think it was Avatar on, on like one of those roll in screens that if you went to a school like mine, had a VHS player uh, and you, you bring it in on a cart uh, and then you just watch Avatar. And then when it finishes, that you just turn on Avatar again. And that was its own kind of weird process uh, for jury duty. And no, I didn't make it onto the jury. I was not impaneled uh, because lawyers don't generally get impaneled on juries. As it turns out, they don't like people who know anything about the process or the law to be on there that might otherwise counter their explanations of process and the law. Uh, it's a reasonable rowdiness referring to the chat, says the Heathers. All right reasonable rowdy chats uh can succeed something along those lines uh we got uh, law and lumber i see here being referenced rob is in the chat somewhere he gets an invite all the time never shows up just tries to make trouble in the chat in the stream uh but good morning rob hope you are doing well uh what else we got going on here uh eight hours of avatar yeah i think it was i think it was like 9 a.m to 3 p.m., six hours of Avatar. So like like three runs through or two and a half runs through uh, Avatar. Uh, yep, that was that was what we watched in the jury room. Uh, what else we got here? Kyle is the pie capital of Texas. I love it when we can get these questions answered. The city of Kyle officially launched a branding initiative <clears throat> in January of 2018 to put Kyle on the map. Then on January 23rd, the mayor proclaimed, what? What did the mayor proclaim? Oh, no. This is, we don't have an answer to this. We've spoken too soon. Oh, no. <clears throat> Who let you sit on a jury? Love you, but you'd be my, my worst nightmare as a juror. Nobody let me sit on a jury, Rob. I said I was a lawyer. I was out. Kind of typical. Um, nobody let me sit on a jury. They just let me take my entire day. But this is very mean. This is very on brand. I did get a notepad. They, were, they gave out notepads and pens if you wanted and I managed to write the entire script for the app video game uh, that um, me and my brother were making that year. Um, so I was able to put together a very fulsome encyclopedia of in-jokes and puns, which I'm known for, uh, in the uh, descriptions of characters and places and things in what was a little maze game that we had made that was procedurally generated and put on the phone called Little Labyrinths uh, with the most robust background encyclopedia of tiny cartoon characters you have ever seen because I had that entire day to write it. Um, so, and despite my brother's admonitions, it did get called out in some of our reviews as being a lot. So there you go. 
Those are my jury studio, uh, jury duty stories. Britt, good morning, Britt. Thank you for the super chat. You can tell how old someone is because they talk about their school. They say rolled in screen and not rolled in TV. Well, I, they rolled in. I Yes, they did roll in a screen occasionally, but they, I was referring specifically to a TV uh, that they would bring in and that uh, would be, uh, you know, then plugged into one of the walls. And that's what the that's what the courthouse had. And they showed us Avatar because we weren't allowed to have our phones. And some people were going crazy because uh, they didn't have the Internet. And yay, jury duty. It's fun. Civic responsibility. Uh, enjoy. Uh, jury duty is actually an awesome experience. Sorry, the lawyers never get picked. <laughs> Crying in tear uh, emoji. Yeah, it's um, um, it's a little sad. We never get to use that. Okay. Declared the day as Pi Day in Kyle, which corresponds to National Pi Day, like March 14th. The city is also a proud member of the American Pi Council. All right, so a town in Texas named Kyle decides that it needs a it needs a thing, right? You need to be a guy. You need to be the sports guy or the fantasy guy or like I don't know the YouTube lawyer guy. Um, and so Kyle decides it's going to be the Pie City, Pie Town, and it has a party on March 14th. One assumes and celebrates Pie. All right. Well, that was an unexpected bit of trivia for this morning's hangouts and headlines. And I'm glad we got to finish it. What did I say that is possibly a bingo, honey? I don't, I haven't referenced any of the Final Fantasies. <laughs> My goodness, everybody's having fun this morning. Uh, as we said, jury duty is an awesome experience. We don't get to do it. Um, I've so far gotten picked for an actual jury every time I got called. What is that experience like? I don't even know. They won't, they won't let me, let me within 50 feet of even a, perspective juror, uh, lest I talk about, you know, the process and the law. So that doesn't happen here. Oh man, we have more bingos. I have no idea what I said. All right. Um, uh, Brandon says, hope you and the missus are doing well. Smiley face emoji. Honestly. Yeah, we're doing fantastic. Uh, we're a little stressed with, uh, putting together some things, developing some stuff. I'll talk to you about that in just a minute. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's a good time. August is basically the last month of summer. Uh, here for our kiddos. Um, we're we're going to have another week where we're going to be away. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do uh, with this stuff. We might take a week off. We might uh, broadcast from points unknown. I have no idea. I haven't decided yet. Uh, but um, it's it's a good it's a good time in Hogue House. Uh, and I love these hangouts. I love these uh, sections of the, the video early on in the morning where we just talk. And we've got, what, 500, 600 of our closest friends to just hang out and be pleasant with one another and create an oasis on the internet where folks aren't just outragedly screaming at me for whatever political proposition they think is in their heads uh, and that they believe I might've agreed or disagreed with on any given day or moment. <sighs> Reasonable minds can differ. We're going to try to bring that to the internet. We're going to spread out and, and bring that message to everyone. Uh, let's see here. Um, oh yeah. And I see uh, people trying to put the emoji up. I don't know why that didn't work. Oh, except that it's not going to pop up on the way I read it. You can see how I see it now on the stream yard. But yeah, our members have emojis. Lucky again this morning in our chat, gifting 10 of those Hoglaw memberships. Thank you so much, Lucky. You know, I can't bring it up on the screen right now. But when you do get those memberships, because of, again, the wonderful work of Mrs. Hoglaw, there are, in fact, custom emojis you can use. We got some brains. We got uh, some other things. I think we got a little state of Michigan uh, if you want those. Um, and absolutely, if you are a member, uh, if you like 
helping out with these live streams, using those emojis, let us know what you might like to see. Uh, I think we get to put up some new ones at a, a, the next membership tier uh, as soon as we get to enough members there. So let us know. We have no idea. <laughs> uh, but if you see something exciting, absolutely uh, tell us that. And thank you so much, Lucky, for the support there. Final Fantasy is like a free center in the bingo card on this channel. Uh, other than saying I didn't reference Final Fantasy, which I'm a little unclear on the rules here. Maybe my wife can explain them to me. If I say I didn't reference Final Fantasy, is that in fact a reference to Final Fantasy? I don't know. I'm going to have to get some clarification there. Um, it felt so fancy in seventh grade when my homeroom classroom had a TV installed in it. Oh, yes. That's wow. That's we got some money at this school. So I don't think I ever had a TV installed in my classroom until high school. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Very, very fancy. Are we in the preliminary hangouts? Yeah, we're in the good morning phase. Why, why even do this? Why have these meetings? If we're not going to just chill out, drink some tea, have some coffee, talk to one another, have a good time. What did we learn? We learned about the pie capital of Texas already. We've talked about jury duty and rolling in TVs. We learned that the city of Detroit tortures people with rolling versions of Avatar in their jury duty preparation room. All things we got to chat about today. Oh, and look at all these. Look at all these emojis. Fantastic, everybody. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun. Um, and those are, uh, again, entirely the work of my wife. Uh, what's the Final Fantasy emoji, Cho uh, Chocobo? Well, we can't use, obviously, copyrighted material here, Prototopics. Um, but, uh, yeah, what would the Final Fantasy be? Maybe a fantasy castle? Maybe a crystal, probably. Honestly, we could probably do a crystal that's generic enough uh, to be Final Fantasy. How can you, as a lawyer, allow Final Fantasy to have more than one entry? There cannot be more than one Final Fantasy. The earlier entries should have been renamed. That would be funny, actually, if the current Final Fantasy is always just Final Fantasy on this kind of walking assumption that the most recent Final Fantasy will, in fact, be Final um, but, uh, no, I think since they all take place in different universes, they are each universe's final fantasy. Um, and I, I think that just, that just works logically. And of course, if you aren't familiar with the series, Final Fantasy was originally called Final Fantasy because they thought it might be their last game and they were going to go bankrupt back in the day and it saved the company. Uh, so, uh, let us see what else we got. We did have prototopics jump in. So I think now is a good time to actually share with you what we announced yesterday, which was very, very exciting which is, of course, <clears throat> that Lawyers and Dragons, excuse me, <clears throat> is returning on August 13th, this Saturday, for what will be a season of good times, fun, and, I don't know, reasonable brains? We'll have to see exactly what everything entails. It's fun, by the way, to try to uh, market and tell you guys to get excited about things that I don't know. This title was a reveal to me uh, because David at Prototopics is... Uh, clandestine and doesn't want to ruin anything for anybody, even as we have to plan things together. Uh, so it's a lot of fun there. But if you are interested, we are returning to Lawyers and Dragons, new characters, but maybe some old faces, maybe some new faces. We will see um, as we explore the trees of eternity. As soon as I get this gerbil out of my throat. Uh, but yes, the trees of eternity is the name of the first campaign of Lawyers and Dragons, and I am very, very excited. If you enjoyed that first episode, you should be excited too because we are going to see a lot of cool stuff. We're going to have a lot of fun, and we probably will have some new things to show off. 
uh, both in this space on Hangouts and Headlines and Virtual Legality this week, and on my Twitter at Hogue Law. Stay tuned to that space. Uh, and then on the episodes themselves, if all the planning goes right. There's a lot of fun here. It's like putting on a show uh, and seeing if everything can fall into place and seeing if we can work around things that don't. So if you're looking forward to that, get excited as Nerdy Writer Cat at Twitter has shown us all being excited as these things go down. That's right. We've got, and I wanted to call this out because this is very special. First of all, you can see the dance moves that won me, Mrs. Hoglaw, right here. This is all it takes, fellas. You can do it. This is all of the action that I've got. You can see Ian excitedly talking about his spell book, which he has told us does, in fact, contain the spells for this new season of Lawyers and Dragons. You can see Alita boogieing down, getting ready to fight dragons or become them or join them. We don't know. What are the trees of eternity? We have no idea. And good old Rob of Law and Lumber getting excited with a little dance thread of his own. So, yes, first of all, I wanted to say thank you to Notary Writer Cat on Twitter for highlighting these absolutely hilarious stuff. And we'll have to see if we can get a gif of uh, David Prototopics RGM dancing and having a fun time here. Uh, what else we got? I did want to say thank you to Hempland Texas for gifting five more subs. Folks, if you do get a membership, first of all, thank Hempland Texas. That is awesome. Uh, and then, yeah, we've got some brains, brains, brains emojis out here. I have it on reasonable authority that brains might well return. Don't know. Can't make guarantees. I'm not running this show. Uh, but if you like brains, he might just come back. And here is Rob actually becoming a member of the uh, of the channel. So that's very awesome of you, Rob. You didn't have to do that, of course. Uh, but thank you so much. I can actually put you on screen. And then Lindsay Metcalf with 20 Hoglaw memberships. What is even happening here, folks? Um, I'm very, very appreciative of everybody. That is an awesome thing, Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you, Hempland Texas. Thank you, Lucky. Thank you, everybody, uh, for putting those memberships in, doing those super chats, supporting the channel. I hope this is a reflection of how excited you are to see us eaten by trees, talking to trees, doing advanced mathematics uh, with trees. Maybe we'll discuss the nature of infinity and eternity with the trees. Maybe an entire episode is a philosophical discussion of what it means to be eternal. Or maybe it's just a discussion of the MCU's Eternals movie product, and that'll be an interesting episode as well. What you can be guaranteed is that we're going to be doing our damnedest to give you a good, creative, and exciting, and fun time. Uh, and it will be, as the best of our ability, family-friendly for all. Our guests might have something to say about that, uh, but we shall see. Certainly, that's the intent. That's the intent of this channel, which is to have a good time, to be goofy, to be weird, um, and to ultimately not have the newbies, Rob and Alita, freak out when the GM says, uh, let's talk about this thing on the road. And they ask what the rules are to the conversation. Uh, in any event, that's what we've got going on behind the scenes. That is this Saturday. We're starting up week one. It's intended to be give or take weekly, probably with a break in there or two, depending on what people's schedules are. We're going to try to get that schedule behind the scenes set up so that we can also publicize that for everybody so that they know what's going on. Uh, but yeah, we're going to have some fun. Lawyers and Dragons returns this week, and I couldn't be more excited. So I hope you are too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of folks chatting with brand new uh, emojis. Uh, we've got uh, Prototopics here, our official uh, GM, saying we are not going to be talking about Marvel's Eternals. So I guess 
We know that now. Unfortunately for him, he's not in full control of the subject matter of our adventures either. Um, so I'm going to put an elaborate backstory together as to how I am both familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe in character and why I would specifically want to talk about the Eternals for the entire length of an episode. Get excited. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate you, David. Uh, but as you know, uh, the GM isn't the final arbiter of what goes down. And so we're going to have a lot of fun both directions on these kinds of things. But again, thank you for all the gifted memberships. Thank you for the Super Chat support. Let's talk about some stuff. Now, somebody pointed out yesterday, I often forget to take down the last message before switching to the new article. I tried to remember today. I think I pulled it off. Let's go look at that article. Wow. So smooth, right? I'm almost a pro at this. Uh, so we've got the CNBC article, which is essentially a financial article that went up yesterday, and it is uh, very interesting to me. It's kind of the crossroads of two of the things that I'm most interested in, which is following platforms, following media, following how it is otherwise distributed in different ways among people now, uh, including through Netflix or Game Pass in the stage of video games or other streaming services that you might otherwise subscribe to, uh, Hulu. Uh, uh, Paramount Plus, HBO Max, which we see is changing and is going to be merging into Discovery Plus. I'm sure somebody somewhere has Peacock. Um, and all of these various choices mean that there's a lot of competition in this market. And Netflix is trying to diversify its portfolio, right? It's trying to add Lawyers and Dragons to an already robust lineup of virtual legality and hangouts and headlines. Uh, and so Netflix has done this by buying up video game companies and otherwise saying they're going to invest in making video games. And the early returns are not terribly strong. Now, we're going to look at this article. I think this is a fair article. This is really more about substance than rhetoric here on this particular look. Uh, but it also is suggestive of, net, of a company that doesn't necessarily know what it wants to do with this. So... Netflix is accelerating its push into video games with plans to double its catalog of offerings by the end of the year. But for now, few of the streaming giant's subscribers are playing. Since last November, the company has been rolling out the games as a way to keep users engaged between show releases. The games are accessible only to subscribers, but have to be downloaded as separate apps. Now, here's where things get really interesting, right? We're going to see that this is not returning a, a huge amount of <clears throat> interest at this point in time. But I have a question for y'all. So I, I subscribe to Netflix. I watch Netflix. In fact, I was just out on Twitter saying that I really, really liked The Sandman. And we talked about that in the early hangout section of yesterday's video. And I had no idea that Netflix was actually already releasing games. Uh, and I have no idea, sitting here with you right now, how I would access those games. And I suspect that's because I interact with Netflix in a very specific way. I watch it through the apps on my TV or through my video game consoles. And that's the only interaction that I really have with Netflix. And I suspect that in order to get these games, you either have to go through PC or you have to go through mobile. And so maybe folks that have either tried this out or have otherwise enjoyed it can talk to me about what is actually happening here behind the scenes, how Netflix is getting you these games. But certainly the, the use of the term apps, and thank you very much, PowerPuff4, for becoming a member, um, is suggestive of the fact that we're talking about mobile access only. So if you haven't used Netflix on mobile, and Tiny Trifle here is confirming that it is yet mobile games, I suspect that you're not seeing it at all. 
Like there's nothing on the Netflix app that suggests to me that they have video games, period, in any respect, watching it through the TV app. So one of the things that's happening here when we see kind of the, the bad uptake is that they're not marketing it, which is twofold. We can talk about this in two directions, right? Uh, because this is the stat. This is what was the headline item. This is what was shown all over journalist outlets on the video game side. Uh, and the reason I don't use those, I don't use those is because I try to go back to the original reporting site as much as possible. And everybody wound up referring to CNBC on this. The games have been downloaded a total of 23.3 million times, which ain't bad, and average 1.7 million daily users, according to Aptopia, an app analytics company. That's less than 1% of Netflix's 221 million subscribers. Now, in some respects, this stat appears to be punishing them for their success, right? If you just launched a video game company and had 23.3 million downloads and 1.7 million daily users, you'd probably figure that you're doing okay. But of course, you're Netflix. You're putting in significantly more money than the average video game startup. You have this user base that you could otherwise sell to. And yet, I don't think they are, right? This is the other side of this. And this sometimes happens with technological development or otherwise. I think that they are effectively betaing the concept of video game offerings from Netflix. And I don't mean that they're hiding it under a bushel basket or otherwise, but that they just aren't advertising that they're doing it so often. They're they're hiding the ball and saying, yes, we're doing it, but you have to be looking at it in the very specific way that we're putting forth. You can't see it if you're otherwise just engaging with it as a streaming video service, which a number of you are probably out of our 221 million. And we're going to play around with it. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do weird stuff with it over here. And then once we've got it to a place where we think we understand what the market is, what you want, how to actually serve it to you, then we'll probably go out with some kind of blitz, right? That will actually put ads on our service, which obviously has those eyeballs. They could have told me, hey, turn on your iPhone or your Android. I don't actually know where they're available and go and download these things. Uh, if you're interested in continuing the Stranger Things story or whatever it is that they're selling uh, with these apps. And they haven't done that. So I get the strong impression that this is in the kind of experimental phase, and that makes sense with exactly what we're seeing otherwise. Now, CNBC makes a good point here. Again, sometimes the business articles are a little bit less fraught than some of the other things we read uh, here in headlines. And I like that because I like to give examples of what I think is a pretty neutral approach here. But I do point out some things as we go through here. The importance of games to Netflix's overall strategy has arguably increased in recent months as the company faces intensifying competition for user attention. Now, the only thing I would criticize here is that it's not that it's increased in recent months. That's just where the actual losses have shown themselves. It increased before that. Like Netflix is reacting before this because they can see their internals. And Netflix understands that Disney Plus and Hulu and HBO Max and Peacock and Paramount Plus and everything else are starting to eat their lunch. And we saw that in the first quarter where they lost 200,000 subscribers. And we saw it in the second quarter where they lost nearly a million, but had predicted that they might lose even more than that. So they're trying to set the expectations there. So yes, this is absolutely correct in its overall thesis that Netflix, which had a giant first mover advantage into the streaming space, collected on that advantage by then making its own original shows and programming, has now reached what appears to be the natural ceiling and is getting blasted on all sides by the actual content producers themselves running their own streaming services. So Netflix is diversifying its portfolio. But they aren't quite ready yet, right? They don't know what they're doing. 
In a letter to shareholders last year, Netflix named Epic Games and TikTok as among its biggest rivals for people's time. One of the many advantages to Netflix in pursuing the strategy is the ability to drive engagement beyond when the show first comes out on the platform, says an analyst. Still, Netflix chief operating officer Greg Peters said last year, and here's where I would point out in this particular article, they don't have any new statements from Netflix. This article is entirely this stat, a one piece of editorial kind of strategy commentary, and then quotes from the last few months or the last year. And this is the operating officer saying it's going to take a long time for us to learn how games can be used to keep customers on the service. The company's current catalog of 24 game apps, which again, I don't even know how to get to. I don't know where they are. I don't know where you would say, yes, I would like to download a game. And I interact with Netflix on a fairly regular basis. Covers a variety of genres of Netflix shows, such as Stranger Things 1984, which I don't even know what that is. Several are modeled after popular card games, such as Mahong Solitaire and Exploding Kittens. The catalog will grow to 50 games by the end of the year, including Queen's Gambit Chess. How is that not just a chess program? I don't... Anyway, I don't know. I don't know what these things are. They appear to be smaller mobile-type titles, and I don't know when we will know more broadly that those are even available to its biggest audience. So I don't think they're trying to sell to it yet. Netflix has been cagey about how it plans to make video games a core part of the company's strategy rather than merely a side hobby. We're still intentionally keeping things a little bit quiet because we're still learning was given as a quote in June. Now that's probably true. It's experimental. As we just said, it's also probably the case that they don't know, like they haven't decided. We're keeping things a little bit quiet because who knows what we're actually going to do this right? We're experimenting. You see that in the quote that I didn't highlight. Uh, and I think that's that's fair. So it's still an interesting piece of news that nobody is playing these things. But I like to analyze these things and go, well, they're not advertising it. They certainly aren't advertising it to me, somebody who likes video games. Um, and so what can we really take from this other than kind of keeping it quiet until they figure out what they want to do? They've tapped outside developers to make games. They've acquired three video game developers, including one of my co-hosts on the BitCast every Sunday's favorite game, Oxenfree. Oxenfree is a good game, folks, but he hates it with a passion for reasons that I don't understand. Forrester analyst Mike Plo, sorry, noted that Netflix has been investing in gaming slowly and that it still appears to be what he would consider more of a test and experiment at this stage. So far, download figures for Netflix games fall far short of the leading mobile games, Subway Surfers, Roblox, and Among Us for a few, which each have more than 100 million downloads, according to Aptopia. Well, yeah, I don't think you can expect to just jump into a new industry and a new model and just immediately be the best at it. But Netflix CEO Reed Hastings says, we've got to please our members by having the absolute best in the category. This was in January. We'll see where they go. But I find it to be an interesting story because Netflix is one of those companies that has come become ubiquitous. We all know its name uh, in various households. And it is struggling to figure out what its place in the world is in the future, right? It's losing subscribers. It's losing money. It's spending money on things that I don't know are actually making it uh, lucrative in the long run. Things like the Russo brothers and Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans and the gray man. Um, and I hope very much that stranger things season five and another season, hopefully of the Sandman come out and get a good budget and get support. Uh, but I am not under any, uh, preconceptions that those are guarantees based on what's happening with Netflix right now. And certainly Netflix has alienated quite a few people in the recent past by going out there and canceling shows after one season or maybe uh, even less based on the analytics of who's watching it and regardless of whether or not those things end with a cliffhanger. 
right? Netflix used to have kind of a policy or, or a soft promise that they wouldn't just cliffhang you and they'd figure out a way to finish these things. They bought uh, defunct shows from various networks uh, and finished them off with an episode or a TV movie or things like that in the past. And that does not seem to be the way Netflix is operating anymore. And so it's hard to have trust that they're going to they're gonna take you in the palm of your hand and, and treat you well uh, when you put your time and energy into watching a show of theirs. So it's interesting. At the same time, that they're losing those subscribers, they're raising prices, and they're looking to somehow make a version of Netflix that is still attractive to everybody and can make them money. And I don't know whether or not that'll be the case. And McKay Z2U, McKay it has a great point here. Netflix raised their fees way too high for people who just want the movies. And that's a problem with bundling, right? So Netflix says, okay, we've raised our prices higher and now we're going to justify it. Seems to be going backwards. I want to be able to unwind that. Apparently, I have access to 25 mobile apps that I didn't know about, don't know how to get to, and are baked into the price of the service that Netflix is offering to me. And I don't want it, probably, right? I'm probably not going to use it. Uh, I don't even know how to use it. And so I would prefer it if you focused on the things that are what I actually subscribe to your service for. And that's not going to happen. That's clearly not going to happen. That's not the direction Netflix is going to go. So you better hope that their offering is a value add to everybody on both sides of that equation if they want to justify the price that they're going to ask for. And yeah, we are in an economy that has at bare minimum, a lot of variants, a lot of unknowns going into the future. That's kind of being the most generous we can be across the world. Uh, and streaming movie services, especially ones that have an upcharge for games that you don't play are a potential cut line item on the budget, right? And so I think that that's what they're looking at. That's what they're worried about. And that's what everybody's worried about. That's what Microsoft's worried about. Sony's worried about Netflix, Nintendo, everyone in between uh, as to what exactly is going to get cut, what's going to survive if there really is a significant downturn in the economy. So it's it's interesting to watch these things. What, what do you guys think separately on all of this? Do you subscribe to Netflix? If so, why? If so, why not? Did you know video games were available? Have you tried any of these things? Because I know I haven't, and I would be the first person to think that I would have given these things a go. I don't even know how to get to them. Um, and they might not be available on iPhone, right? I have an iPhone. They might be only Android. I have no idea. Uh, so we'll have to check in on that. That Sarah became a YouTube member. Welcome that Sarah. Thank you so much uh, for being a member. Try out those new emojis. Show them off. We love those things. Um, and uh, yeah, what what is what is everybody else thing? Chub Toad says they canceled Dark Crystal, which was excellent the day after it was Emmy nominated. Angry emoji. And I can't blame you for that, right? Like, I, it wouldn't surprise me if The Sandman, which was the number one show for at least a few days, and it seems like every big thing that they launch is their number one show for at least a few days, uh, doesn't make it because it's weird. Um, and they announced that that was it, right? It wouldn't surprise me. It would make me sad, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, and so, yeah, Dark Crystal was very, very good. Very good. Uh, and they cancel it and you say, oh, all right. Ah, see, I can't get to these things. Frederick Bolton says, no, they're only available on Android. Now, take that with a grain of salt. I don't know Frederick Bolton, but I, I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them on my phone. I haven't seen them on my TV. Um, and so, yeah, if they're only available on Android, then it does mean that you're paying at least a little bit for infrastructure and goods and services that are not otherwise made available to you if you don't have the exact right configuration of things associated with your Netflix account. And that's a risk. Shereen says, yes, 
She's a subscriber, but she only watches one or two things, which is fair. You can get your money back out of that if you like one or two things a month, uh, realistically. Uh, Midnight Dreary says, I'm not interested in mobile games. I think that's one of the things that Netflix is going to be run uh, running into. Sarah says, I have Netflix. Never knew games were a part of it. I watch the movies and docuseries. They should focus more on those. Focus on your core competencies, says the, the business school book, right? And Netflix seems to be trying to broaden out because they're scared, right? They, they aren't Disney. They aren't NBC. They aren't uh, Warner Brothers. They don't have necessarily the cachet to compete on pure content. And so they're figuring out exactly what they need to do. Squid K says, I do subscribe to Netflix and I did download a game from them. None of them are exclusive to Netflix and it seemed a bit ridiculous to have phone games as part of your Netflix subscription. Okay. Yeah. All right. So they're not exclusive to Netflix. They aren't like none of them. They're all available on either the app store or uh, elsewhere. That's, that's interesting. That becomes more of just a kind of service bundling thing than anything else. But I do think some of them are going to be exclusive, certainly going into the future. That's what they're buying companies for. Um, oh my God. The stranger things game really does look like a game from the eighties. It's so cute. All right. Very cool. Uh, I have it on Roku. You have the Netflix on Roku or you were able to access games on Roku? Because that would be interesting. Um, I'm trying to figure it out as you speak and still not got a game. Android phone too. Hey, there you go. It's certainly not easy to figure out where these games live, right? Uh, I don't have Android. I do have games options. Okay. So we've got different levels of understanding. See, this is at bare minimum, right? At bare minimum. Let's say all of us in here, we got 800 people in this video chat right now, all wanted to get a Netflix game and we were all subscribers. I think it's proving to be difficult just in terms of the gatekeeping, right? Where are they? How do I get them? What do they do? That kind of thing. I, I don't think uh, I don't think they have made that process streamlined. Uh, they would revive my respect if they revived the OA. OA was a weird show, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I like their weirder stuff. I like the weird shows. I, Netflix has some, some good stuff. Obviously, I love Stranger Things season four. Um, and I really enjoyed the Sandman, uh, but yeah, they, they get all over the place with respect to canceling things. If I were to choose one to unsubscribe, it would probably be Netflix, not prime or Disney plus catalogs here in Brazil are a bit different, but I feel Netflix isn't exciting anymore. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people are facing off with, right? Is Netflix even worth the money? Now I will tell you, I've said this before, but here at Hogas, we rotate around the services, right? We, we, currently have Netflix. Uh, we're going to probably keep Netflix through Cobra Kai, and then we'll switch off to something else uh, and then enjoy whatever they've put out for the last few months, enjoy whatever's coming out in that month or the next month, and then rotate out again um, because we just can't consume that much in terms of having all these streaming services available all the time. Um, and so we tend to rotate it around. But yeah, Netflix has been strong for us this summer with Stranger Things and Sandman and then Cobra Kai coming next month. Um, but yeah, it's if you're not watching anything on it, it doesn't make sense to just continue to pay the money, certainly. Uh, Britt says, Netflix is a victim of their own success. If they had not made so many uh, dollars streaming, the other streaming services would not have started. If they were less successful, they would have less competition. Just keep it on the down low, folks. If you guys like the streaming, just don't tell anybody. Uh, we got this cool streaming service. Um, this is just going to be a club. It's just going to be between you and us. Uh, and NBC doesn't know that you're all watching The Office on it so just don't tell anyone and it's gonna be real cool yo uh, but you're absolutely right Brett right like once they started to show off how many people were interested in this service 
And then the content producers started pulling their stuff back, like The Office famously, which was the most watched thing on Netflix for a long period of time. You get into this situation where they have to make their own stuff because people aren't willing to license stuff away from their own platforms. Uh, and it's been touch and go. Uh, and then raising prices and raising prices and raising prices, again, especially in this last environment of the last three years, uh, has been an issue for them. But uh, great super chat. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, I subscribed to Netflix last year, says PE, canceled it, recently resubscribed and had absolutely no idea about the games or anything else. Yeah. I canceled my membership when Peacock came out because they took my favorite shows. Yep, Peacock, The Office, uh, grabbed it, took it over. Um, I use a family member as Netflix because I only watch a few things every few months. I subscribe to other services for a month at a time here and there to binge various shows that they release. I think that's probably the, the ordinary pattern for folks. Um, and yeah, it becomes, becomes a problem. Uh, I see the top trending games on my iPad, but never bothered with them. Sure. <clears throat> I have Netflix included with my internet provider, but I don't play on mobile devices, so I don't care. Oh, that's interesting. The games are on the Roku, says Tanya Fox. Okay, so like you play them with a Roku controller? Uh, that's that's interesting in and of itself. Uh, too many services, says Claude Simeon. If I were smart, I'd rotate between Netflix, Apple TV, Peacock, HBO Max, a couple months each per year to catch up on their good shows. It's literally what we do. Um, and it's not, uh, it's not that tricky to, to rotate around them because they all have a, at least a very good kind of customer service obligation because the expectation is you can cancel it pretty immediately, uh, on these things. That's why you do see places like Paramount plus run the annual subscription, uh, to secure that, uh, at a, at a pretty good discount there. Um, and we watch a lot of Paramount plus in this house because my family is addicted to old seasons of survivor. The more, you know, uh, there is a trivia app on Apple TV. Okay. Um, Shireen says we pay a fortune for our TV package because my husband, hubby wants lots of choice, but hate having to pay a TV license too. Yeah. It's a, it's a European concept, right? So yeah, we don't have TV licenses here. Away was an excellent show. Uh, yeah. Away was wild. It was always interesting. Um, Snoopykins with the super chat says, I know there's some interactive cartoons and trivia and the trivia crack game. Yeah. Those are on Netflix like directly. But I've not heard of anything else. I'm on Android, so their marketing isn't that great. Yeah, I played, um, what did I play with my kids? I played, uh, there's like a burglar cat, a cat burglar, something along those lines, uh, as a uh, cartoon I thought actually worked really, really well. Um, so they do a good job with that. But that's not, I don't consider that a video game. I guess it is kind of. It has a little bit of interactivity. Uh, but I also don't, <clears throat> I also don't think of telling Bear Gorillas to eat a grub or a slug to be a video game. Um, so, you know, that's just me. <laughs> Uh, hopefully they learn from Instagram, Instagram TV, and not make it a separate app. That would be starting to dig a deep grave. Uh, yeah, I think they have to consolidate whatever they're doing. And I suspect what they've currently got is kind of a package of things you download separately and probably don't even reference that you got them through your Netflix subscription. Uh, but I don't know because I haven't actually seen this stuff. Netflix is getting out of hand. Yep. Yep. I can, I can see that too. Uh, I canceled Netflix until the next Witcher season with the dragon. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see canceling these subscription services until the next thing you care about comes on. As long as there's more than a month between them, it makes sense to just hit the button every time. Uh, they still do DVD by mail, apparently. Yeah, it's like a small portion of their business. Uh, just downloaded the Stranger Things game on iOS, presumably through Netflix. Um, I, I, Tell me how it is. I don't know. The last time I played a Stranger Things game was, the, I think, Stranger Things 3. 
which they released uh, to go along with that season, but wasn't made by Netflix. Um, they are getting too expensive and there are too many. I'm back to getting shows online the old-fashioned way and for what you will. All right. All right. I'm assuming that by that you mean that you're paying full fees for the license from a place like Voodoo. <clears throat> um, I believe thousands and millions worldwide signed up for Netflix to get through the vid. Canceled when life returned to normal. They should have been expected. Should have realized they ran out of content. Yeah. I mean, we're obviously seeing bounce backs in all the major industries. Video games are down like 11%, which is to be expected and is still above... Uh, like the 2019 levels, uh, but people are freaking out nevertheless. Britt, again, with a super chat. Thank you so much. Netflix was always going to have this issue. I find it funny that they pushed Blockbuster out of business, but then they are getting pushed out by the very studios that they built the business on. Content is king, right? Netflix knows this. Netflix started very early on with the notion that they're going to figure this out and we have to get a studio up and running. House of Cards was a big success for them, you know, and, until it wasn't. Um, and they've continued to make good products, but they make a lot of things and they're not all good and they've lost any kind of seal of quality that they might've had early on. And their library is much smaller than it used to be at a much more expensive price. So I think people react to that, um, as well. And certainly, you know, Disney has the leverage. Disney has the brands to just go in there and do whatever it likes. Fortunately for Netflix, Disney's, Disney's mostly making, um, substandard content uh, for their service, which helps Netflix, I would argue, greatly. Uh, but it only takes Disney a moment to change and say, hey, actually, let's let's make some premium stuff. Uh, and then they'd be in trouble on that ground as well. HBO Max, pretty popular, makes good stuff. Um, I don't know Amazon Prime as much. Um, we're going to see they're going to put out Lord of the Rings. Um, they've certainly spent just a ridiculous amount of money putting that together. So that's coming out all in the, like the next month. Uh, there's the new Game of Thrones. There's the new Lord of the Rings. There's uh, Andor from Disney Plus. All these things. Cobra Kai from Netflix. I, there's there's massive series from all of these channels. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see who wins out. Uh, but Netflix uh, has always operated as an upstart. Has never really made money for its investors. And yeah, I think they're getting squeezed a little bit. So we'll see if they can survive it. Um, just here, the Sandman was so interesting. Couldn't agree more. Sandman was absolutely Fascinating and imaginative and fun. <clears throat> uh, Reacher was good on Amazon Prime. We have an endorsement for Reacher. HBO Max is getting gutted next year. HBO Max is getting merged. Uh, we'll see what exactly happens. We covered this last week uh, on the HBO Max front. They're not going to kill everything that's otherwise prestige for them, but it certainly seems like they're going to be penny pinching over there. There's no question. So we'll see. Uh, Sense8 is a great show on Netflix. That's the Wachowskis, right? Yeah, I recall watching about half of that series. Um, I do love Prime a lot. They have a lot of good content. Fantastic. Cobra Kai was the reason I signed up for YouTube Premium. Yes, dead YouTube Red has a sad. <laughs> Never really worked out, but did build one of uh, Netflix's most popular shows in Cobra Kai. Oops, says Alphabet and YouTube. What can I say? Um, Prime did so well with The Expanse after Sci-Fi dropped it. Yep couple of good seasons of The Expanse. I love The Expanse. One of my favorite shows probably of all time. Not a big fan of the last season. Uh, I didn't think they did it justice. But um, yeah, certainly I am very thankful that they picked it up after Sci-Fi Channel. Had a wonderful season three that was absolutely fantastic and said, that's it. We're out. Uh, and Amazon picked it up uh, from there. 
so let's talk about the other story we have here, uh, and then we can get uh, we can get back to chatting about that story or anything else you might otherwise be interested in. And we hit some buttons, and we come up with a variety article from a couple of days ago, and this is a longer piece, uh, uh, the head of a longer piece of storytelling that has been happening in these journalistic outlets for maybe a month or two, which is the Marvel visual effects artists uh, exposing or complaining or otherwise stating that it's no fun to work at Marvel and Marvel is not a great place to make visual effects for. And, and this has come up because, well, frankly, there are a lot of visual effects in Marvel movies and Marvel TV shows that don't impress. And the most recent of those was with this show called She-Hulk, which at a TV budget or something like a TV budget, that's kind of a different concept in the era of streaming, is, is putting out renderings that look a little bit like this, right? And people went out there and said, that doesn't look good. And I said, look, hold your horses because that's a trailer. Trailers don't always have finished visual effects. We don't know what the show is going to look like. Um, and yet the trailers keep coming out. And just to be candid, and reasonable minds can differ on these things. This is subjective kind of analysis. She doesn't look good. Um, and, and that's that's okay. Uh, when you're talking about watching a TV show, right? We used to have just Lou Ferrigno in paint uh, running around various barns and sets uh, of on TV. But certain expectations are made, and what you'd like to see, in my opinion, from Marvel is saying exactly what I just said. Look, it's a TV show. We're trying to get people to a place where they can accept this and suspend their disbelief, but we make no uh, promises that it's going to be the same as a movie, and we think that our fans are still going to enjoy it. Instead, what they've done is they've kind of doubled down on this, and they've added a kind of political element, which I think is interesting, and that's why I wanted to highlight it for you all. So we start out here. The She-Hulk attorney at law team is defending criticism about the visual effects work in Tatiana Maslany's led show amid a recent wave of VFX, that's visual effects artists, speaking up about alleged poor working conditions for projects produced by Marvel Studios. And I wanted to use this just as the entry point just to show that off just a little bit here. You do have articles in the last month, uh, headline things like VFX art artists are refusing to work with Marvel due to stress and unrealistic deadlines. Now, this is the kind of headline that I don't think is particularly useful. It's a little strong. It's based on a Reddit thread. But you can see the opening paragraph here. VFX artists are speaking out against Marvel, with many refusing to ever work with the entertainment giant again. This comes as artists share accounts of unworkable deadlines and immense pressure leading to stress and unsatisfactory final products. Many have requested to never be put on a Marvel project again, saying that the studio has the worst FX uh, management out there. These allegations have been made on the subreddit Reddit VFX, which, okay. So I don't want to tell you how to do your jobs or what to source, but it's basically impossible to tell what these anonymous folks actually have in terms of experience. We can assume that they're probably not just BSing, but people who assume that Reddit is probably not just BSing, well, eventually they find themselves in a problematic situation, whether it's in reporting or otherwise. But we can see here exactly what that The Gamer article said, which is that this person is accusing Marvel of having the worst methodology of production and VFX management out there. They can never fix the look for the show before more than half the allocated time. So fix here means fix in place. They can't decide on what the look for a show will be uh, early on enough to get good VFX. You're not paid equivalent for the work that you're actually putting in on a Marvel show. And working on a Marvel movie is way overrated. And then you get a lot of these kinds of follow-ons. Yep, I request not to work for them. 
It seems like it started getting messy after the first Avengers film where they wasted a bunch of our work. I think at this point they realized they can throw money at anything or get away with more than most because of the rep of being Marvel, ergo a big deal. HBO like to pull this as well for Game of Thrones. It's like they're never satisfied. And any experienced artist of any medium should know that you can fuss with any work until the end of time, but you also know, got to know when to stop. Now, those are kind of conflicting comments, and I don't blame that. That's the human being experience. Uh, but those are conflicting comments insofar as it's, well, the reason that this is all coming up is that people are complaining about the VFX in things like Thor, Love and Thunder, and now She-Hulk, and others that have happened before, because we understand that these are VFX laden movies and films and shows and whatnot. But if they come out bad, they come out bad. Uh, and so there is a complaint here that they're not giving enough time. They're not fixing things in solidity uh, quickly enough, uh, but also that they're tweaking things too often. And this goes on to here, which says, I think Marvel directors do care about the VFX work, but they are also even more removed from the process of selection than usual. And I wanted to highlight that because these quotes that we're going to see in Variety, which are defending the artists and the criticism that She-Hulk is currently receiving do come from the director, do come from the creatives that are a part of the series, the writer, the star, but they are separated from this process. And that comes across in these quotes. So here's the star. I feel incredibly like deferential to how talented these artists are and how quickly they have to work. Obviously like much quicker than probably should be given to them in terms of like churning these things out. Now, obviously, that doesn't sound like a terribly informed quote, just kind of responding, probably by virtue of being asked exactly what we should think about these VFX complaints. Uh, and she tells that to the Television Critics Association on their press tour. Jessica Gao, who's the head writer, says, it's terrible that a lot of artists feel rushed and feel that the workload is too massive. I mean, I think everybody on this panel stands in solidarity with all workers and is very pro good working conditions. Not a terribly long limb to hold yourself out on. I, I'm also in favor of good working conditions for everybody. And, and yet that doesn't really answer the concept of these complaints. She-Hulk director Kat Koiro noted that while she's worked with VFX artists on the show, we're not behind the scenes on these long nights and days. Now, this is what cuts to the quick on Marvel, right? And you've heard talk of the Marvel machine or that these things are essentially house produced. And I do think that that adds a level of separation that you saw called out in that one Reddit post, which is the director isn't the one that appears to be, with from these quotes and other references, where the buck stops on actually finishing off the special effects for these movies, which means it does become kind of a Marvel issue and... The director, who otherwise, in other contexts, would be there watching the VFX, approving, disproving, those kinds of things, may or may not be doing that here. So they are taking the opposite approach and going with the star and the writer and saying, if they're feeling pressure, we stand with them and we listen to them, even though they're not signing the checks. And apparently they're not a part of the process to any great extent. Meslany, Gao, and Coiro had been asked by a journalist about their experiences with the She-Hulk VFX artists and how you feel about the finished product noting that there have been numerous accounts lately that VFX houses, they are feeling incredibly crushed by the studios in general, and Marvel keeps getting called out. Criticism specifically on Marvel Studios has been bubbling on the internet over the past few months, starting with anonymous posts on Reddit alleging overwhelming last-minute changes and poor pay for overtime. One artist, Dhruv Govill, posted to Twitter in July that working on Marvel shows is what pushed me to leave the VFX industry 
alleging that Marvel is a horrible client and that he's witnessed colleagues break down after being overworked while Marvel tightens the purse strings. She-Hulk, attorney at law, has undergone even more scrutiny due to its inherent premise in which Jennifer Walters, an attorney specializing in superhuman-oriented legal cases, must navigate the complicated life of a single 30-something who also happens to be a green 6-foot-7-inch superpowered Hulk. Transforming Meslany into She-Hulk requires a level of complex CGI work that most TV shows don't have the time or budget to handle at much length, and the first trailer for the show was criticized for what some felt was unconvincing CGI work. And again, it's subjective, so I understand the some felt here, but it, it, it just wasn't good CGI. It, it, it looked like a cartoon superimposed over a real situation, and that's never going to work terribly well. During the TCA panel, Ms. Laney defended the visual effects on the show. I do think that we have to like be super conscious of how the work conditions aren't always optimal and that they've made these amazing strides in this industry. I watch it and it doesn't look like a cutscene from a video game. I can see the characters' thoughts. I feel very in awe of what they do. Okay, so cutscene from a video game is the usual kind of metaphor that people use to indicate that something looks cartoony or unrealistic. I suspect that for the most part, that comes from folks that haven't seen video games lately, right? If you look at some of the visual effects, the faces that you can get out of something like The Quarry or Last of Us Part Two or any of these other high budget games, I think you would look at She-Hulk and say, you're right. It doesn't look like a cutscene from a video game because it looks significantly worse. I don't think that's the intent of that particular quote. And I don't really blame the actor, right? Actors aren't expected to have a lot of insight or information onto the business side of things or how the sausage gets made, whether it's VFX or otherwise. They're expected to know character, know their lines and be in front of a television or movie camera. So I don't blame her for this. It is interesting that we ask so much of actors uh, in respect of these kinds of questions, uh, but it's not great. Koira, who remember is the director, also addressed criticism of how she Hulk looks on the series. I do think, and this is where we're adding a little politicization here, that this has to do with our culture's belief in their ownership of women's bodies, she said. There's a lot of talk about her body type, we based her a lot on Olympian athletes, not bodybuilders. But I think if we'd gone the other way, we would be facing the same critique. I think it's very hard to win when you make women's bodies. Now, this is a kind of inherently political statement. You're a little bit sexist if you think the CGI is bad. I think that's unfair. But I want to give the benefit of the doubt, as I always do in this space. And I think you do see some of this stuff. Again, I mentioned The Last of Us Part Two earlier, and there's a character in that called Abby that is kind of a Hulkish type person. And they got a lot of crap for uh, making her that way and animating her that way. And so I do think there's at least some truthfulness to uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't. That said, I don't think it's accurate as a response to this is bad CGI. I think that you are trying to go and deflect from, and this might not be your fault because you're the director and it's actually Marvel's VFX people and the VFX people are pissed because you don't settle on how these things should look until halfway through the process. And it's all kind of a tumbling house of cards, not to uh, point, a, point a finger at Netflix and the references we made earlier. And so I, 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 I want to give the benefit of the doubt here, but I think this is unfair. And this is what gets quoted out a lot, right? This got quoted out in all the places that I saw this article to begin with, which is this kind of well, you don't like the CGI because you believe that you own women's bodies. And uh, no, 
I just think this isn't a good look for the show. Uh, and you can go look at the clips yourselves. You can go look at how this looks. You can go look Al. It looks compared to Mark Ruffalo's Hulk, who also appears in the show for at least moments in time, and decide for yourselves whether you think it's good CGI uh, or not. Now, I'm also in favor of being for good working environments and all these things. And I think Marvel probably pushes its people very hard. It's probably the, the company that's using the most VFX in the industry right now, which gives it some cachet and leverage because you can't really lose that contract or that relationship with Marvel. And we see that story told again and again and again when somebody is that important uh, in a given industry. But does this have to do with misogyny? I, I'm not sure that it does. What do you all think on that question? I Some of you might be in a better position to answer that than I, either because of a love of She-Hulk or a, a knowledge of what uh, you think this character should look like, either to comport with the comics or otherwise. But, but let me know, because I'm curious about that. I always want to be open to the possibility that I've got a blind spot and I'm not thinking about these things correctly. But my inclination is to say that that's a deflection. Um, and I think She-Hulk is a risky kind of show to make. I'm not sure that it's going to work at all. I like Tatiana Maslany. She is the uh, star of a show. I don't know if it's a cult classic or if it's just something people know called Orphan Black, where she plays like every character in the show. Uh, and she has a lot of fun with it. So I, I, I like her. I thought she was always an interesting pick for Hulk because she's not naturally big at all. Uh, but maybe that makes the uh, the difference uh, make a lot of sense. Uh, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. So while you get those comments in, I'll hit a couple super chats here. Britt, again, thank you so much for the support, Britt. Coming soon, Marvel movie without filming actors. They keep putting more and more visual effects in and less real things. Even whole sets locations are being replaced thanks to the volume. Don't get me started on the volume, Britt, because I think the volume is an important piece of technology that these directors, a lot of them, don't have any idea what to do with. I would argue that the volume is one of the main reasons Obi-Wan looks like a community theater production is because they just don't know what it does vis-a-vis -vis lighting, what you can and can't do with the thing. Uh, and so the volume is uh, interesting. I think the volume was used to pretty good effect in The Batman, even though I didn't much care for that film. Uh, and it's used, obviously, pretty well for The Mandalorian and most of the things that it does. But people who are just using it willy-nilly to do other things are making things worse. And this is to some extent what we also saw with green screens and whatnot 20 years ago. Uh, so hopefully it will get better. The volume is a cool kind of concept, but we'll see how it works in the long term. And then Uncivil Law here, just with a cowboy hat emoji. Thank you, Uncivil Law, for the support. I really appreciate it. I hope you're having a good, mm, what, I was going to say Monday, but it's not Monday, folks. We made it through Monday, Tuesday uh, morning here. So what does everybody else think about this? What is the volume? Uh, the volume is, for lack of a better uh, phrase, a series of TV screens. If you can think of like the Matrix Revolutions uh, uh, that, uh, or the Matrix Reloaded, apologies, uh, that scene with the architect that has all the TV screens around or any other kind of concept where you just got a bunch of TV screens around in a circle that they put off the set and they can actually frame out what the uh, scene extension will be live. It doesn't have to be a green screen. You can show what's happening. You can show... Uh, the city in the distance with respect to the Batman or the plains of Tatooine uh, for uh, the Mandalorian or things like that. But it does create a certain fuzzy look. It does mean that you have a distinction between where your set is and where it isn't. Uh, and if you use it wrong, it looks very, very artificial. And I would argue that it looks very, very artificial in Obi-Wan. Um, but uh, you could check that out. That's what it is. It's a bunch of TV screens playing Unreal Engine uh, and making live real-time video game graphics that are used to make these movies. I'm not saying the volume is bad. I am saying they're overusing their hammer. Yes, exactly. Exactly. 
The volume is an important piece of tech. It's going to be used to great effect eventually, but they haven't figured out when it just completely breaks down and makes everything look gauzy and weird and, and just odd. Works perfectly well for alien planets because you're expecting that. Not so well uh, when you're doing it in other ways. And I know I just said it doesn't work in Obi-Wan. That's because for the most part, they're doing dark caves and things. Uh, you'll just have to trust me on that. The volume, the volume doesn't work very well. Uh, I think people who are saying this CG is good don't watch or play a lot of things with CG in it. If you know better, you expect better. Smiling, blushing emoji. And that might be like when when Tatiana Mislani says, hey, it doesn't look like a video game. It's like, I'm willing to bet you haven't played modern video games uh, because modern video games are absolutely crazy uh, with what they can do. Seriously, go watch 10 minutes of The Quarry and be like, wow, we can do some stuff uh, with video game faces. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, yeah. You don't know what to expect. You don't know what to expect. I'm not saying it'll be bad, by the way. I am uh, pretty open to saying, okay, those are just bad visual effects. I watch all sorts of stuff with bad visual effects. I used to like a show called uh, Once, which was like fairy tales on ABC that just did some weird losty stuff with uh, with those fairy tales. Visual effects are horrid, right? One of my favorite sci-fi shows of all time is Babylon 5. And you're just like, okay, that rendering on a 1990s computer, that is sure that's a spaceship. That's fine. We can all envision it in our heads heck you know we go to plays or whatnot and you're always envisioning things you go see hamilton it's all just your imagination so vfx is awesome it can be super great it's not fundamentally necessary to telling a good story so i'm with you uh but if you're going to cgi a she hulk try to make sure that she fits into the actual situation right uh, um I wouldn't know one muscly type from another really, but don't know what that has to do with the green effect. Anyway, I will say it's not as big a transformation as I expect from the Hulk. Yeah, I think that's also pretty fair that they they kind of maintained a specific look, didn't make it look like a Hulk. I am not that familiar with the She-Hulk character. Um, she doesn't look, you know, that much bigger, but we'll see. I, you know, I I will hold out hope that the that the show will be good, even though I don't like I like one uh Disney Marvel, uh Disney Plus Marvel show. You be the judge on what that one is. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I, I think we can hold out hope that it'll be good, but that doesn't mean that the CGI looks good in the trailers. Uh, Orphan Black was great. I highly doubt that they will give her a character in this show that is anywhere as interesting as what she had to work with in that show. Right. She's an excellent actress who has showed off her range, and I doubt that it will be explored in She-Hulk. That is a fair comment. Uh, they said Olympic athletes, which one? I bet if you pulled up the record holding weightlifters among women, they don't look like the basketball players who definitely don't look like the gymnasts. Totally fair. I, they're just trying to explain that they didn't go with what I expect. This didn't show up in the in the article. What I expect is however She-Hulk is depicted in the land of um, uh, the comic books, right? I, I don't know what she looks like. I expect she looks a little bit um, uh, bigger, more muscly than, than this, right? That would be my guess. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, thank you. Uh, cool. Oh, for explaining the volume. Absolutely, Shireen. No problem at all. Uh, God help Hollywood if the VFX studios decide to just not do big budget work ever in a studio strike. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you, you're seeing rumblings of that. If they just all refuse to work for Marvel, well, things would change mighty quick, I would assume. Uh, but that's hard to do uh, when Marvel just says, well, you know, you get to say that you worked on this stuff. Maybe we'll increase your uh, stake here, but not as high as the other people would want. And then you get people peeling off of those things. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Netflix bothers me. Going back to the Netflix with canceling things at the height of their popularity. Still annoyed at what they did with Sense8. Yes, Netflix is bothering a lot of people with canceling things uh, when 
they appear to be popular enough and they're looking at some backend analytics that they don't otherwise share with us. And that's one of the problems with streaming platforms in general, right? Is that we used to get to see at least some notion of why the studios might make the choices that they make, the Nielsen ratings, even though they're not great, gave you concepts of what was at risk and things like that. Here, you just don't know. Oh, I really like that thing. Did enough people really like that thing? No, it's gone. How many people are watching The Sandman? I have no idea. Only Netflix knows. And only Netflix knows when that is enough to say that they are otherwise happy with it. Uh, Marvel doesn't have a great history with money and women-led vehicles, so it wouldn't surprise if they didn't invest in much in She-Hulk as Falcon and Winter Soldier. Say, please, dear God, She-Hulk be better than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Please, please. Uh, but yeah, they could have invested more money. They also could be um, recentering, right? They clearly spent a lot of money on WandaVision and some of those early shows. And they could be figuring out where that line is for where they think they can get a return on investment and not overspend on actually producing these things. I don't know. It's a, it's a broad and bold kind of choice to have a CGI main character. And it might be the case that she's mostly Tatiana Maslany and not She-Hulk for large sections of time. That's what a normal TV show would do, right? Because it costs money whenever they're in this transformed state. And it might be that they're just not doing uh, playing the quarry, and my God, it's CGI at its best. Quarry is fantastic, but quarry is like the, the modern, like that's where we're at with in terms of facial capture and things like that. Um, and uh, you do get that from a lot of the animated uh, third-person adventure type games, uh, and they look fantastic. Um, see here, uh, we got uh, some stuff in a conversation that I will just leave because I don't have the front end. A good movie that features a lot of practical effects and sets is Hugo. They spent extra time in movie to build as much as they could without CGI. Yeah, I don't mind practical effects. In fact, I, I like them. I, I would argue Lord of the Rings is pretty fun with that. If you look at some of the swooping camera angles, they aren't CGI. They're big, fancy models that have like a little little fly camera fly through as well as CG and some of the top of the line of the day with like Gollum and things like that. That to me is like the pinnacle of what you can do with that combination. Uh, but Marvel, honestly, Marvel has never had like guaranteed super strong CGI. Giannis Drake says Babylon 5 is still my number one sci-fi show. Babylon 5 is fantastic, but you are liking it in spite of its VFX, right? Like nobody's going to Babylon 5 to say, check this out. Um, you're watching it for the stories. And at the end of the day, when we talk about the height of CGI and things like that, our historical experience is that this will probably look bad, whatever we like right now, in 20 or 30 years anyway. So you better have the storytelling. You better have the skeleton, the bones of that story that's worth listening to and worth watching. I uh, absolutely love Orphan Black. Tatiana is so talented. She really is. She's a fantastic actress. Uh, I've never met anyone else who loved Babylon 5. I love that show. Oh, come on. Babylon 5. Absolutely. Uh, once Upon a Time on ABC. Is that what you're referring to? Yes. I usually call it once because this is a big once um, in, the, in the logo. Uh, but yes, terrible effects. Terrible effects. <laughs> and, and they owned it, right? They're just like, we're not even going to try to make this line up with everything else. They're just terrible effects. And you say, okay. The fantasy stuff is terrible effects. Cool. Um, and you go from there. Uh, and you can still have uh, that uh, that good story and, and have fun with it. Um, what else we got here? I have to scroll a little bit down. We're almost coming to the end of our episode here. So if you have any other questions or comments on any of this, let me know. Uh, damn, if I had money, I'd become a patron. Don't worry about that. You like Doctor Who? Yep. Babylon 5. Mm -hmm. Orphan Black? Yep. You have great TV taste. Some would differ. Uh, but I, I'm sure there's stuff that I like that you don't like or vice versa. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I watch a lot of this kind of stuff um, and I enjoy, uh, I enjoy it all. 
Uh, Doctor Who, much like any kind of anthology type series, there are stronger seasons and weaker seasons and stronger episodes and weaker episodes. Babylon 5 has the unfortunate fact of effectively finishing its season four and then having a fifth season. Um, and Orphan Black, again, has better episodes and worse episodes, but it's really fun to watch and has a lot of good, a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, what else? I remember when Ghost Rider was impressive, like the old PBS show. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Space Above and Beyond was a good niche sci-fi show. I like that we're just talking about random sci-fi and fantasy shows now. I was kind of same with Stargate. Not much CGI. Yeah, Stargate. Absolutely. Was 100% saying, we are in space. This warehouse is in space. And it still was allowed to have good stories, uh, right? So you can do that. Uh, and it, it doesn't mean She-Hulk will be bad or good, ultimately. Uh, and that's kind of the funny part about talking about VFX. But if you're going to try it, I would say try to do it well. Uh, the third doctor was the best doctor. Everyone after was just trying to be as good. I mean, you mean the third doctor like in the 60s or the third modern doctor? The third modern doctor is Matt Smith. I can't actually tell you who the third original doctor is. I apologize, folks. You can take my nerd cred card if you'd like. Uh, Jurassic Park was 1997. There's no excuse. I I got worse for you. Jurassic Park is 1993. Sorry about that. It's even older. But again, you want to talk about VFX. You also want to talk about pandemic, potentially. You go and you watch Jurassic Park Dominion, which I cannot recommend. No, do not recommend uh, Jurassic Park Dominion. You will see a number of shots in that movie that I would argue look rushed, that the compositing doesn't work, the shadows don't work. I am not an artist, so I can't tell you exactly why they don't work. But I can tell you that there's a number of shots that look like the characters are superimposed over cartoons of dinosaurs in a way that 1993s did not. Uh, in 1993, also used a big old, a, a big old audio animatronic T-Rex head, um, and spent the money making those kind of robot dinosaurs to go along with the CGI to sell the whole illusion. Uh, but yeah, um, I think to some extent Hollywood's lost some of that craft. Um, and some shots that would be better with a model or an audio animatronic or things like that. I don't know that they can actually do anymore. So we're left with only CGI and the CGI doesn't always work or they don't spend enough time or they don't get enough time to, you know, back the VFX artists on this stuff. And you wind up with things that look, um, well, let's just say not finished. Uh, Hogan needed to watch BBC ghosts. I watched the American version, always a mistake not sci-fi, but wholesome, very British and very funny. Uh, I thought the American version was fine. I'll check out the BBC version. Absolutely. Uh, Ghost Rider was an after-school guilty pleasure. Sure. I think that they, if I recall correctly, there was an episode of Ghost Rider that taught us about copyright infringement. They had to spell infringement, and it was a whole like sequence of learning about the Copyright Act. Um, so maybe a, a proto-virtual legality with, uh, with ghosts and, and PBS shows. Uh, and the bots are here. That's awesome. Good to know we got to that level of popularity today. Hello, bots. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Tom Baker was fourth and best. We're getting before me. I really do start with Doctor Who with Christopher Eccleston. I apologize for that. Uh, there wasn't a lot of Doctor Who shown to me uh, in America uh, back in the day. Um, compare Top Gun Maverick to a Marvel film and you will soon see where Marvel has gone wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think Maverick is an example of what the studios had been missing out on. It's a very simple story. Uh, it is very direct. It doesn't really have other goals other than telling this simple direct story and it is fantastic for that uh and it, it feels like what summer blockbusters used to be prior to iron man uh, and i think marvel will be taking a close look at maverick i think everybody will be taking a close look at maverick because it continues to be a success continues to have sold out theaters around me at least um and that is 
unconceivable <laughs> for for a summer in 2022. So I just want it to come out on streaming someday, but it won't until it stops making money in the theaters. Um, hey, I like Jurassic World Dominion. You're really challenging me this morning, but I will say that reasonable minds can differ and I will allow it. No, it's dinosaurs. If you like dinosaurs, go for it. Absolutely. I really, really, really did not like Jurassic World Dominion. I like maybe the first little bit where they're setting things up and then I just didn't have any love for where it went. Uh, but I will leave it at that since it's still technically kind of newish. We won't spoil anything in this space. Let me say this. I'm glad you liked it. I would like to sit down and spend money on a movie or an experience and enjoy it when I'm done with things. I am not a curmudgeon that just likes to hate on things. So I would have much rather been in your shoes and I'm happy you found that experience with Jurassic World Dominion. We got other people saying, I love ghosts. I'll have to watch that. The BBC version, not the American version. Um, and I think that is what we've got today. Um, so everybody, thank you so much for hanging out with me uh, this Tuesday. Again, remember on Saturday, we do have a, a big show coming up here. Uh, we are bringing back Lawyers and Dragons. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. So it'll be archived. You don't have to hit that time, but we might uh, have some chat interactions and we will have chat more prominently featured uh, in the season going forward than we did in the initial prelude kind of first adventure experiment of our own uh, to make sure that that all worked. So do check in if you can. Uh, we're aiming for, I think, two hour slots and what will be at least a mostly weekly campaign experience taking us to probably about the end of the year. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but everybody, I'm super excited for it. It's all because of the support y'all have shown the channel and, and, and that show and everything else. Uh, and so if you do get a chance to check it out, we'd love to see you over there. Otherwise, I want to hit this last super chat before we leave. I'm just so happy to be able to spend this time with you on a Tuesday morning like this. That Sarah says, do you think the VFX industry's lack of a strong cohesive union like SAG-AFTRA, writers, producers, et cetera, is leading to poor working conditions and lackluster quality thoughts? Yeah, perhaps. Um, you know, the VFX artists, if you watch a Marvel movie, you can see that there's like 30 studios on any given movie. They don't have that same kind of guild production. It doesn't seem to me. I'm not a VFX artist and I'm not otherwise involved in the Hollywood guild system. Uh, but certainly studios are used to dealing with those guilds and those unions. And it doesn't appear that the VFX side of things has the same kind of strength. You might see them unionized. Certainly Hollywood and movie making has a very kind of strong history of that unionized protection. I couldn't tell you whether or not that's the only reason why that kind of thing is happening. There are thoughts in those threads that I pointed out in this video that say that VFX artists and studios themselves are uh, generally more willing to say yes than no to what are unreasonable requests and they need to start learning to say no. That's something I tell people in every walk of life in every industry is that sometimes something is unreasonable and you have to say, well, then it's not worth this client or this relationship or anything else. And that takes a long time to learn and you're always risking not being able to feed the family or keep the lights on when you do that. So. I think that uh, that's probably something that VFX artists are going to be looking at uh, in the future, uh, but we will see how it how it works out for them because unlike other roles, they don't have to be on set, right? They don't have to hold the boom mic above things. So if it can be outsourced to other jurisdictions, that's something that VFX people have to be more cognizant of than perhaps other workers in other portions of movie making. Uh, so it's probably a constant push and pull, but I thank you for the question. I thank everybody for checking us out this morning. Uh, we'll see if we can get some more virtual legalities up. I've been doing some other things in the day, so I'm not sure about this particular week. Otherwise, just keep in mind, we don't have a show tomorrow on Wednesdays. Wednesdays are off days. 
here uh, on the Hogue Law YouTube channel for the most part. So I will see you in the next headlines episode on Thursday morning. But do watch my Twitter space at Hogue Law because we probably have some more announcements coming up. Thanks, everybody, and have a great one.